while we should judge, but there's a difference between judging and being judgmental. There's a big difference in being judged, having judging, and having being judgmental. And a lot of times, too, is be careful in our minds that we don't confuse judging with condemning. There's a difference between judging and condemning, all right? God is the one that condemns, but we're supposed to judge all things. We're supposed to judge with righteous judgment. So Matthew chapter 7, verse number 1, the Bible says, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what for with what measure you judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? Verse number 5, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So we're going to read verse number 6. Now he just gets done talking, saying, judge not, right? We understand that passage here, judge not. But then Christ contradicts himself in the world's eyes in verse number 6. Give not that which is, which is holy unto the what? The dogs. Neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under, your, under their feet, and turn again and rend you. So he's giving this passage, and he's saying, hey, there's a time to judge, and there's not a time. There's a time not to judge. But face it, any time we're going to live in this world, we have to judge. We have to judge. If I were here today, and I, if I were going to have this, I was kind of halfway tempted to do this, but then I got accused recently of never doing anything seriously. I'm always joking, and among other things. So I decided I better not do this. But I was going to have a couple of volunteers and blindfold a couple of guys and bring out a table, and I was going to have them eat pudding. But instead of it just being pudding out of a bowl, out of a plate, I was going to put it in a clean diaper. And take the clean diaper and put pudding in the clean diaper. When they take the blindfold off, it's like, whoa! Because it looks like, you know, brown or whatever, chocolate pudding in a diaper. And it, it, people freak out. But it's kind of funny. But I decided to be against my better judgment to do that. But, um, but there's times we all want to judge. I mean, has anybody ever gone to a grocery store and compared labels? Has anybody ever gone to the grocery store and compared prices? Sure, we've judged. We've judged what is a better deal, what is a better option, what is a better discount. Um, we were at Walmart today. I can't believe this. The first time in like three months I stepped foot in Walmart. But I had to go to Walmart. I had to pick up prescriptions. And it was with Abigail, and there was two tablets in the electronic section. There's two tablets, and one of them, there's, one was a smaller screen, and one was a bigger screen, but the bigger screen was cheaper than the one with the smaller screen. And Abigail asked a very, very logical question. Why is the little one more expensive than the big one? Why is the big one less expensive? And I showed her the reason why. Okay, this one has, you know, slower processing. This is a bigger memory. This is a name brand. This is an off brand. Oh, I get it. But I taught her how to judge, right? And that's something we all do. Is, it, is this the best option? If you've got an apple or a donut, what is the better option? You know, we te we're teaching this to the kids. What is a better option, apple or a donut? What is a better option? It all depends. If it's Amish-made, you're going to go with a donut, right? If it's an Amish-made donut, you're going with a donut every single time. But if it's an apple, does the apple have a worm in it? I think that's the question you got to ask yourself, okay? Most of the time, apples have worms. You don't want to do that. So 
It's just a crab apple. What, what kind of information are we getting with how old is this apple? Is this apple a wax apple? Is it a fake apple? So you're asking a lot of questions going into it, right? But we know this because we have learned to judge. I was at a grocery store. I was at not grocery store. I was at a gas station a couple days ago, and this kid saw me, and he says, "I've got the biggest saucers," and I was like, "In that moment, this five-year-old kid was judging me, and I didn't get offended." And the kid goes, "Why are you so fat?" I said, "Because I asked nosy questions to people at gas stations." <laughs> and when I was a little kid, and I grew up to be this size. <laughs> And the parent just lost it laughing. <laughs> the cashier was like, how dare you? And I'm like, <laughs> but judging, when a person judges, things that we all learn to judge. We all learn to, and face it, whether you like it or not, you will be judged. We will all, we all judge. Then he has a read in 13 seconds. There it is. I love her laugh. Anyways, we all judge. We all do. We've all been judged. That's inexcusable. We're always going to judge. Christ didn't say, don't ever judge. Christ said, judge not. And here's the reason why. It's the greatest resolution of conflict. When we judge, the judgment of others. Number one, it's the greatest resolution of, con of conflict. When you judge someone, it's the greatest resolution when you're judging someone. Why? Because, number one, the Bible says judge not, lest you be judged. Whatever judgment you give to someone else, be rest assured, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Whatever you sow in judgment, you will reap in judgment. If I get my Bible and I scrutinize your life, I, and I scrutinize your life and I preach against your specific sins or your specific uh, hang-ups or your specific personality or whatever it is, be rest assured that I expect that semen back to me because it's fulfilling the Word of God. Having said that, yes, we're supposed to judge, but there's a time to leave things to God to judge. Who am I to judge another man's servant? And that's something we all have to be careful of because, yes, there's times that we're supposed to judge. There's time to take the word of God and rightfully divide it. And there's times it doesn't apply to me. Does it personally involve me? No. Am I personally affected by this person? No. Am I personally influenced? No. Then shut up. And that's what I have to tell myself. That's what we have to tell ourselves. If it doesn't involve me, why am I getting involved? Leave it to God to take care of. There is a time to judge into when it affects us directly. And there's a time when it doesn't. And finding that balance is when you're giving it to God. Look, at a lot of times people can judge us, and then we in turn retaliate, return fire. We have a volley of judgment back and forth, back and forth. Really? When we judge in return, it's usually because we're not giving vengeance unto God. God said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. So in that moment, while someone's judging me, or I could judge them, and they start judging in return, and at the end of the day, we either parties have to remember that God is the one who executes vengeance. And if I were, let's use Echo for a second. If, I, if Echo launched, launched judgment at me and started judging me, 
truthfully or wrongfully, deceitfully or honestly. And he started judging me. If I turn and start judging him, it's nothing but sour grapes. The, pers the person who returns judgment is literally just sour grapes. They're saving face. Well, yeah, well, but. The yeah, well, buts. You know, ever heard that disease? It's the yeah, well, buts. You know, well, you know, Aaron can do, yeah, well, you know what? Well, you, you know, well, yeah, but. Well, yeah, but. Well, it's, it's, it, always, it always happens. Yeah, well, but. And it always comes in there where someone has something to say. Well, if I come back and give any bit of retort, it sounds like I'm being childish on the street. Your mama! The only thing we can come up and, and hold in John chapter 6. They called Jesus a son of Satan. They called Jesus, you know, Belzebub. Son of Belial. <laughs> they called Jesus reprobate. And Jesus is like, excuse me? And he, the only time you find it in Jesus' ministry where he returns, but even when the words that he returns, it wasn't, it, the words that he returned was not full of self-defense. It was out of truth. So you have to remember that anything that's coming back at us, it's, you're going to return volley. Make mm -hmm. sure it's based on truth. But again, is this necessary? Do I have to defend myself? Well, yeah, there's times to defend yourself. There's time to step up to the plate. But there's also a time to let back and let God do it. People call, people call this approach being passive-aggressive. I'm trying hard, my hardest not to be aggressive, just being passive. Saying, okay, God will take care of it. And there's a time to be a pacifist and letting things go and turn the other cheek, and there's times to go to war. There's times to go to war. But when is that time? Well, if I'm operating in vengeance, trying to get revenge, that's in that's in sin. That's in my that's that is fleshly judgment, and it's not righteous judgment. And God tells us to judge with what kind of judgment? Righteous judgment. So don't let your feelings, if you ever get to a place where you want to retaliate with your feelings or your personal opinion, personal opinion, personal opinions, be careful. That's a danger and you're acting in the flesh and not in the spirit. That's why it's better to reheat coals of fire upon your enemy. It's better to do good to them. It's better to give a gift in secret to that brother who hates you. That brother has ought against you. It's better to give a gift given in secret. It's better to go and make sure my friend Leave your gift at the altar and make sure you're fine. But when that doesn't, when it's not possible anymore, and that person just has no interest in ever doing anything with you, and has reprobated you like multiple times, and has called you useless and vain and worthless, realize you may never be fixed on, on as far as relationship, but you don't want to retaliate with insult. You don't want to retaliate with personal feelings because God says whatever meet. You judge, it shall meet you again. By the way, if you've, how many here has ever been personally criticized? Every married person is going to raise their hand up. Okay? We've all been personally criticized. Well, here's your question. Have you ever been personally slandered by people you don't even know? Right? What is your response? Turn the other cheek. Why does it bother us what someone says that doesn't even know us? But you know what? But what, <laughs> what is? Why should some, what, someone that we don't even know bother us? Do we have to be 
approve? Do we have to have others like us? Do we have to have everybody like us in order to exist? In Christ I live. In Christ I move. In Christ I have my being. In Christ I'm found. So the worst that can happen is they say things against me. Never have met me. Know nothing about me but what they think they see, what they perceive. Those people are dead to me. Not that I don't care about their well-being. I don't because I don't know them really, but they're my neighbor. You know, I just don't. I you have to be careful not to let your we have to, we have to be careful not to let our personal feelings or our opinions be counted as fact. The word of God is fact. Number three, when we judge the judgment of others is the greatest regulation and conflict. It's the greatest regulator. It's the greatest regulation. It's the rule that we all must follow. Look what it says in verse number, verse number four. Uh, verse number three. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? So you got a great big log sticking out of your out of your eye, and you're worrying about a little sty in your brother's. And here you are, you this great big thing, boom, boom, like a lightsaber, and you're gonna knock someone across the head with a beam that's stuck in your eye while you're trying to get a little speck out of your brother's eye. And it's like, well, there's a lot of hypocrisy, and Jesus even said that, verse number five. Thou hypocrite, someone who is doing some, who is saying one thing and doing the other, a person who is acting in one way, but is who is trying to stop you from acting in one way, but is doing another, a person who refuses to see the truth, or sorry, who see a person who fails to to value the truth in their own life while trying to push the truth in someone else's, that's a hypocrite. Okay, first cast out the beam out of thine out of thine own eye. And then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. It's the greatest regulation. It's the word of God. It is the standard of all standards. The word of God is the standard of all standards. By the way, there are people, the Bible warns about it, is those who use God's word deceitfully, corruptly. They take the word of God and they scrutinize the word of God to find one little thing to use against you. I would rather go to the Word of God and find out what's wrong with me so I can first take care of my life before I address it to anybody else. That's, that's true judgment. That's righteous judgment. And that's what we ought to, everyone, else, everyone has to do. Have you ever looked into a mirror and seen something maybe in your teeth? You have a little green in your teeth and you eat salad or... <laughs> I could just check. <laughs> Has anyone ever done that before? Has anyone ever gone to the mirror and said, oh, maybe your hair is out of place? Or maybe, wow, you've got a little bit of got a white head sitting like right there is a huge screaming at you and you're like okay cool and you look to someone else and say you got a problem with acne well you got this thing screaming right at you and you're thinking about the other person you're so worried about other people's appearances you're forgetting what man of manners we were kind of manner of man we are in james chapter one the bible says whoever should look into the perfect law of liberty right we forget to see what manner of man we were our hair is out of place we don't fix it and we go and tell someone else hey you got something in your teeth hey you got a booger in your nose well, you know what? Why don't you fix yourself before you address other people? And that's what Jesus is telling us within this passage. So the greatest standard of all standards is the Word of God. I would rather go to the Word of God and say, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Search me and try me and know my downsetting and my uprising. Know my thoughts afar off. Lord, find out if there's any wicked way in me. But so far too often it's, hey, it's my wife, it's my wife, it's my wife, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I mean, she's 
I mean, she she needs a lot of help, and I would rather spend all my time addressing her problems than my own. And the biggest conflict of that is because we don't humble ourselves. But the standard of all standards that we will all answer to is the Word of God. We're going to be judged out of this book. This is what we're going to be judged by, the Word of God. It's the greatest regulation and conflict. Something has to be the, the sole authority, not the final authority. Not after everyone has had it say, and we weighed all the truths and balances, and we finally go to the Word of God and say, Okay, all the opinions, all the charts, all the commentaries, all the doctorates, all the YouTube videos, all the books, all the blogs, all the videos, all the tweets, all the college alumni have gotten together, and we've come down to realize we don't know we're going to search the scriptures. And that's not what final authority is about. It's the sole authority. It's the only authority that I ought to go to. Hey, Josh, come to you and say, Pastor, what do you believe about this? Well, let me go check my YouTube and check my horoscope and check no, it ought to be, let me go right to the Word of God and see, well, the Bible says this. It's my sole authority. S-O-L-E is my only authority I have. The only existing authority I have is the Word of God. And when I, if I come to that conclusion, and you come to that conclusion, our conflicts are minor. Like, wow, okay, now we can learn from each other. And we've humbled ourselves, and we've been able to grow and learn from each other, and iron sharpens iron. You know, conflict is not always bad. I was at a customer's house today, and I sharpened some knives. I took steel against carbon, you know, metal against the sharpener. I sharpened this person's knife. He's like, wow, these things are super sharp. And he took his finger against the blade, and he cut his finger. He goes, whoa, they are sharp. All right, yeah. He didn't say, you idiot. You made it so sharp, I cut myself. It's all your fault. I'm going to sue you, you good-for-nothing fat loader. No, all he did is he was like, wow, this is sharp again. Because the standard was there. And that's what we ought to have, is we ought to have a sole authority, some standard that each of us can check ourselves by. It's the Word of God. Sadly, the people that you and I will find, whether out in the world or at someone's doorstep or in a church, you'll find that the authority that they hold to is not the Word of God. Because as soon as you start quoting Bible Scripture, as soon as you start showing Scriptures, they've got other things you got to do. Josh and I were out sowing this past Sunday. And I won't go through all the whole story to it because it's kind of funny. You can ask Josh later if you're watching turn as you see the writer. But we're as soon as but as soon as we got to the place where we're getting talking about the wages of sin and self-righteousness is not gonna take care of the sin debt, you've got to believe on Christ and repent of your dead works. As soon as it got to that area, oh suddenly she stopped to realize, oh, I'm standing here standing here at the door in a towel. Well, even though Josh is like, hey, would you like to go and get changed? We'll wait here and wait for you. And I was like, hey, you need to go get changed? We'll wait for you. You want to go get some of their clothes on? We'll wait for you. Even after we offered three or four times, it didn't bother her until the part where we said, hey, by the way, you're naked spiritually. You think you've covered? You think you're okay? God says you're poor, naked, miserable, wretched, and blind, and you don't even know it. When we got to the truth of it, and it wasn't said in those words, but that's what came across with conviction, suddenly she realized she was naked. Suddenly she realized she didn't have her clothes on. Suddenly, her time was pressed. Suddenly, she says, well, I'm going to come by your church and give a $10 donation. I don't want your stupid $10 donation. I want you to get saved. You know what I mean? Let's, let's, let's weigh the most important thing to this place. But in that moment, and Joshua gave him back this up, at that moment, that's where her attitude changed. Because the Bible became the sole authority, and the verses pounded apart her, her brick walls, her self-righteousness, and revealed the inner truth that she was unable to save herself she didn't like it. 
and she excused herself. At that moment, well, what happened? The word of God was the sole authority. She came to realize the word of God was that sole authority. By the way, all you have to do is give the word of God. Leave your personal opinions at the door. There's an old saying that says, leave your tongue, the, nail your tongue to the post and walk off. Don't worry about what your opinions are. Nobody cares about your opinions. Take to the word of God and see what the word of God plainly says. And if you've got to stretch the word of God beyond context to make your point, you're using the word of God deceitfully, and now you've messed up. You're taking your authority, your, your understanding of scripture as being the sole authority, or they're taking, by assuming you, I'm saying in general, you understand that, right? I'm not preaching to anybody here right now. I'm talking about in general. But if I'm preaching at you tonight, bless God. But um, the, day, the, the greatest regulation is that we have to understand the word of God trumps everything. But you look at verse number 12 quickly. The Bible says in verse number 12, Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. It didn't say this is written the law of prophets. Christ summarizes all 613 commandments in the Old Testament. 613, 513. 613 commandments in the Old Testament. And all the commandments in the Bible. And he summarizes it down saying, this is it. Love God, love your neighbor. This is it. It's the greatest of it all. And he, he summarizes it. And of course, Hammurabi's code uses it. Every, every religion out there uses this code. It's called the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have done unto you. How many learned the golden rule in school? Right? How many of us practice the golden rule? No, not really. I mean, we do to a point, right? Because I want $100. No one's giving me $100. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the law and the prophets are summarized in those things. So when we, when we realize that if I'm not willing to endure, if I'm not willing to have my, per, what's that I'm looking for? If I'm not willing to endeavor to keep the unity and the spirit and the bond of peace with that person, who's wronged me or is wronging me, or I've wronged them, and I'm not willing to go back to them and get things right and, and repent and, and humble myself and get that trespass taken care of under the blood and forgiven that it's not bound in heaven, right? So if I can have all these things and these precepts of understanding forgiveness, if I can't go to that person and get that thing right, how do I expect anybody to do it to me? Judgment is not sitting there who's the first person to, to find the moat or the beam and someone off of God. Proper judgment is, is this, does this directly involve me? And we can read that over in First Timothy, Second Timothy, where it talks about the servant, you know, servant must not strive a man, but be apt, you know, apt to teach, gentle, you know. And it says that we're supposed to, are we supposed to entreat people? Are we supposed to get involved? Are we supposed to take the dog by the ears? When are we supposed to pass by a medal of strength belonging to us? We'll never. If it doesn't involve me, why, why involve me? These people that I've never met before, in this life, I've never met them. I've never talked to them face to face. I've sent a message back and forth. A simple thing like, hey, how can I be a blessing in your church? Or your money perish with you. And then nothing else after that. No other communication with these people after that. And I'm being sermon illustration. I'm being preached against. I'm being slandered. I'm being accused. Okay, what is my recourse? I don't know those people. I don't know those people from Adam. I don't know who they are. I never shook hands with them. I never broke bread with them. I never gone stoning with them. 
Why do I care what they have to say? Because I'm proud. Why do you care what someone says in criticism? Why do you care if someone lies about you? Why? Because of pride. How dare someone have a different opinion about themselves, about me, than I do about myself? Pride. Does it change who you are? Does not God revenge? Does not God uphold us? But as soon as we start returning volley, and I've been tempted very much lately. I've been pressed in my spirit. Like I want so hardly, I want so badly to respond, to react, to let loose, and have this great big wait. But what does it matter? What is it going to do in light of eternity? What is that going to do? Is it going to help souls come to Christ? Is it going to help people in the faith? Is it going to cause unity among the brethren? Or is it just going to cause division and strife and, and confusion? What, what is it going to do? Well, proper judgment is, you know what? Letting God take care of that. Because at the end of the day, that person is another man's servant. That is God's servant. That is God's, well, that's a, that's a child of God. And what they say against me, you know what? I'm going to let God sort it out. Now, unless it directly affects me in my church, it directly affects me here where I stand, yes, I'll, I'll address it. I'll take care of it. But it doesn't. It doesn't have any bearing on people in my church. Well, I was, in, I was, I was getting insecure for some, I'm not really insecure about it, but I was concerned that what's said about me outside the walls of this church on the internet land would somehow sway people from my church to leave. And I came to the conclusion, if that's what it takes to get you out of this church, or what someone else says about me, so be it. I'm done caring about that. I'm done caring about that. If that's what's going to cause you to leave, cool. My, my, you know, my, my respect for you would dwindle. I would sit back and say that person's got poor judgment. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to go And I'm thankful for the people who are still here. I'm thankful for the people who left. Not that they left. I'm just thankful that they left. I'm thankful for the people that did leave. I don't have anything against them. They're not my enemies. They're my brother in Christ. God bless them. But why let people's personal opinions be held as fact? The judgment that they judge is not according to the word of God. And it's personal slander. It's, it's attack. And bring this context. Look, we're going through Matthew chapter, we're going through Matthew chapter by chapter, and in this passage you see it. At the end of the day, you've got to look at your life. If your life is built upon a rock, end of, end of the passage, if your life is built upon a rock, when the storms of life hit, your rock will stand, your house will stand. But if your house is built on man and their interpretation and their words and whatever else, or their own, your own understanding, and it's but when the storms of life come, when that little bit of controversy goes your way and your house falls and, and great was the fall of it, it's because your life is not built on Christ. we got to make sure that we are built on that solid foundation. Judge righteously. I'm not saying don't ever judge. We, are, we need to judge. We need to discern. There's a reason why I don't listen to this guy like Joseph Prince. There's a reason why I don't listen to these guys like Benny Hinn or, or uh, Rick Warren or John McCarver. There's a reason why I don't listen to these guys. There's a reason why I don't. Because they're, 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 they're full of applesauce. 
They're not, they're not preaching the word of God. They're, they're hitting the word of God deceitfully. At the end of the day, though, I'm going to warn it. I'm going to warn against what they're preaching and why it's wrong, and I'm going to preach against it, and I'm going to let it go. But if I sit there and browbeat people into subjecting to everything I say and do, you're not, you're not, then we're not yielding ourselves to the Spirit of God. We're yielding ourselves to man's opinion, to man's interpretation, to man's will. We've got to let go. God is that judge. All we're supposed to do is judge righteously, warn, and give it to God. Let it go. Why browbeat? Brother Ed, uh, when I first came, when I first came to the church, Ed was there and he was like, I've got one question for you. I said, okay, Jesus. Let's just say there's a guy out there that preaches, you know, he's a false teacher. Are you going to get up there every service and just harp on him? I'm like, no. Why would, does he come to the church? No. So why would I bother? That's really what I went over Ed's heart. You know, look, said, why browbeat? Why browbeat over nonsense? Why? What does it matter? If someone's been considered and marked down as a false preacher, a false prophet, a someone who preaches a false gospel, a false doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's the only reason why we should reprobate someone. It's by preaching a false, a false gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? If I'm getting there preaching someone, and, they, and, and we've already marked them and avoided them, why would I continue going back and doing that? Why are we continuing to torment our righteous soul by wicked people? week after week, to pay attention to what they're saying in order to have sermon fodder to fill in an hour's message when I can get it done in 35 and sit down and shut up. Why continue? I preached the same idea back when I was in New York. I preached the same when I was in Florida. I, at what point? Why do I have Why continue? Don't let our attitudes be that person that always has to find the next person to, to, to vilify the next person to railroad, the next moat to pull out. Look, just if it doesn't involve you, then don't get involved. Don't mess with it. And if someone tries dragging you into it, you got better things to do. If you don't know what all to do, go outside and count, count your, your grass. Count, count the blades of grass. This is just as profitable. This is just good. It's got better things to do. Anyways, that's all I've got for tonight on Matthew chapter 7.